Your upcoming hosts, Curtis and Nancy Sliwa, sitting in. But first, Curtis, we must praise our news director, Noam Layton, because he pressed City Hall on the migrants and Mayor Adams yesterday agreed the thugs who attacked cops in Times Square should be deported. So this goes out to our news director, Noam Layden. Yeah, but remember, what did City Hall originally do in response to Noam Layden's inquiry last week? They did not say that all of the illegals should be rounded up who were part of the beatdown of the cops uh, and be deported. They didn't follow in the footsteps of uh, Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb, the governor, and now everybody else who's jumping in. Deport them, deport them, deport them. City Hall's response to Nome Layden. Do you have their response in your hand there? I do. Can you please read it to them because it is at odds with what the mayor said yesterday as he joined the scrum. Yes, this statement attributable to a spokesperson for Mayor Adams. The men and women of the NYPD put their lives on the line every single day, working tirelessly to keep us and our streets safe. Violence of any kind, and no less against our officers, is unacceptable and should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. And then on background, all migrants in the shelter system are expected to adhere to a code of conduct. Those found to be violating the code of conduct, including any violence on the premises, will be asked to leave our care. Oh, what about leave our country, right? <laughs> leave the shelter. Well, that's not, that wasn't included in this particular. <laughs> leave our care. But Noam Layden smoked out City Hall. Is he said, you got to understand this. James Flippin and uh, Nancy, who joins us every Tuesday and Thursday to do the deep dive. Uh, City Hall has a desk that is assigned to listen to every show that I do because they want to know who are the rats. They give me the information from within uh, the internal uh, mechanism of City Hall and also uh, at One Police Plus. They're taking the Parmesan cheese. Exactly. Uh, And uh, in this case, City Hall... We co-busted you. Your response last week was so feeble, so weak, so feckless that yesterday the mayor, when he came out for his once-a-week press conference, in which he says he can only answer off-topic questions once a week because other than that he can't chew gum and think at the same time, uh, he responded like he was a tough guy. That's right. We're going to round them up and deport them. They didn't say that last week, did they? Well, no, but they said that you have to leave the shelter. <laughs> and then, uh, and Mrs. Sliwa found this, Nancy, the mayor yesterday at his once-a-week press conference. I mean, he was nominating uh, Alvin Bragg to be Attorney General of the United States. I communicated with uh, the DA over the weekend. Uh, he's been extremely thorough on this case. You can easily... Of you know, bring someone to justice, but you have to complete the task of making sure you, the evidence is right. Now, Nancy, uh, the mayor's really afraid of Alvin Bragg because everybody has criticized Alvin Bragg for cutting these guys loose. Yeah, I mean, it would be the easy thing to call out the vicious attack on the cops and say, this is unacceptable, this is something we can't stand for, we need, we need to unite behind this, but he's very trepidatious, as you can see. Oh, he's doing the process, don't worry, he'll get to it, he'll do it right. Now... You know why that is, James Flippin, that he is so cautious, like as if he was carrying vials of nitroglycerin that was strapped to his body as he was on a high wire like the Willander Brothers. It's because he doesn't want to offend Alvin Bragg, 
who's putting his buddy on trial this month, Eric Ulrich, his uh, Department of Buildings commissioner, uh, who owed $600,000 to the Bonanno crime family and is, I mean, he is screaming like a canary to the feds now about Eric Adams and corruption in the Adams administration and corruptive fundraising. You do realize that. Yeah, well, I mean, I wasn't under the impression that it was just based off their hope for a good working relationship. Uh, wrong way, Lou Rufino. Could you please play that cut again of Eric Adams defending the indefensible Alvin Bragg, who cut these mutts and scales loose, who gave a beatdown to the police? I communicated with uh, the DA over the weekend. Uh, he's been extremely thorough on this case. You can easily... Of you know, bring someone to justice, but you have to complete the task of making sure you have, the evidence is right. It doesn't seem like he was that thorough, given that he cut them loose. <laughs> they, they did say that they couldn't identify, positively identify the suspects, and that's why they didn't ask for bail. Originally, that was the reason, I think, that they gave. Uh, Nancy, did they look at any other film uh, on the Deuce 42nd Street? Because every one of those... Uh, establishments have their own video systems trained on the street. I mean, no, this would have been a time to hold them a little longer to get the video footage, given the severity of the crime. But, you know, Alvin Bragg did a great job there, according to Eric Adams. Please don't don't indict me. No, no, no. Don't let Eric Ulrich testify against me to the feds. Damian Williams, the U.S. attorney of the Southern District, who just busted 70 NYCHA employees that I'm responsible for, for corruption. Wait, is that a conflict of interest, him calling Bragg in the first place? To talk about this? Of course it is. Yeah, I don't know if he should be doing talking about but this case. They're, they're friends. They both graduated the National Action Hate Network Academy of Al Slum Shady Sharpton. But the whole issue with the fundraising and straw donors, that's actually a federal inquiry, isn't it? I mean, that's not of Bragg's course. office. But Bragg had the first indictment of Eric Ulrich. And now Eric Ulrich is singing like a canary out in the Rockaways to the feds. To be continued. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Curtis Lewa. Curtis Lewa. Rip and Read. Check this out. This is the Rip and Read featuring Curtis Lewa. Talking about. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. This is the Rip and Read. When you go down into the bowels of New York City, into the vast subway system, it is a seething cesspool of criminal activity, of homeless who live there, of the emotionally disturbed, of flotsam and jetsam, the smell of urine and defecation and decay of the system. It is, uh, it is falling apart. Day by day, when you compare it to other first world subway systems uh, and metros, and even some third world countries that I've been in, it is completely falling apart. 
and particularly morning, noon, and night, if you happen to be on a platform and you look to your left or the right, you will see dozens and dozens of rats doing the horror, the tarantella, and the crypt dance. But anyway, today is one of those two days of the week that Nancy Sliwa joins us on the Rip and Read for the deep dive. And one of the many subject matters that she has latched herself onto is the de- decay of the mass transit system in our tri-state area. We've talked about Amtrak, New Jersey Transit. We've talked about the PATH train. We spent a lot of time talking about the MTA money-taking agency, the subways, buses, Metro North, and Long Island Railroad. But the ultimate uh, system that is in need of a colonic and the Rotorooter man to go in there and just deal with the incredible amount of crime and all the perverts that hang out there and want to prove to women that they're not suffering from uh, um, uh, an inability to uh, perform as a man, but because they want to show you that they're turgid and not flaccid. Erectile dysfunction is the subway system of New York. And yesterday at the weekly press conference of Eric Adams, he wanted to assure everyone, even though the crime is skyrocketing in the subway, the technology is ultimately the cure for that. Embracing technology as part of our transit and our citywide police operation makes our job easier and allow our manpower to be used better. Now, remember, Nancy, uh, he said on a previous occasion that he's a tech buff, right? Well, yeah, supposedly that that's his claim to fame when he was in the NYPD. He's all about stats. He's all about technology. So um, sadly, just this past week, Robbie Robot was put into early retirement. So, you know, he was he was railed as like the, the future of, of technology in the system. And he couldn't even walk around the system without being accompanied by two cops. So that was a miserable failure. We're sitting shiver right now for Robbie Robot. Let me just remind you, the first time I saw this robot that Eric Adams swore to all of us was the future, the here and now of law enforcement in the subway system. He was perched at his location in 42nd Street, Times Square, in the transit system next to the entrance to the 1, 2, at 3 train behind police barriers and always protected by two uniformed transit police. I looked at that robot and I said, my golly, it reminds me when I was a kid, before you were birthed, Nancy, of the program Lost in Space. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger, no, Will Robinson. Danger, danger, Will Robinson. Danger, no, Will Robinson. Danger, danger, Will Robinson. Danger, no, Will Robinson. Danger. So, you see... Nancy, uh, could you explain to the audience, because I'm ready to break down. My my very dear buddy, I did so many videos with Robbie the Robot there of the transit police that he will no longer be on patrol. Yeah, I mean, they, they did very little um, your research into whether or not the concept of something like this would work in a transit station, which they should have done, because unfortunately, Robbie Robot doesn't have legs, so he can't take the steps. And so that's problem number one. He was forced to, like, spin in a circle. And, I mean, again, he's supposed to be eyes and ears, so, you know, they can kind of just keep him stationary. He's more or less like like a big camera. Um, And we're still paying the contract because they have a six-month contract. So 
they're they're claiming that they're figuring out where they're going to deploy him next, as though maybe there's a future for Robbie somewhere in the system. We just don't know where yet. He's been mothballed. You know, he, he would make sense putting him on one of those elevators where you have to press the button up and down. That would be perfect job for him. <laughs> you mean up at 191st Street <laughs> where they have that uh, that sort of uh, low-budget barrier to keep you from falling into the tracks? That's a horrible station. Oh, God. And then uh, Eric Adams had to address yesterday why all of a sudden crime is out of control in the subway system. We know we have to focus on uh, transit crime. Our transit system must remain safe. Uh, We had a shift in the number of officers we had uh, underground. Uh, The funding uh, ran out. (laughs) What did he say at the end of that? Apparently they ran out of money. Well, how could they run out of money? They're giving all this money to the illegal aliens. He put his hands in his pockets. There wasn't anything left. But they, they just gave snap cards to the illegal aliens as soon as they well, arrived at the Roosevelt yeah, Hotel. He meant, he meant there was no money after he gave the money to the migrants. No, he couldn't have said that. Uh, wrong way, Lou Rufino. I want to hear that cut again, please. Uh, the mayor of the city of New York saying the reason that transit crime has exploded in the subway, and you'll give us the breakdown afterwards, Nancy, is because we ran out of money. We know we have to focus on uh, transit crime. Our transit system must remain safe. Uh, We had a shift in the number of officers we had uh, underground. Uh, The funding uh, ran out. How do you run out of funding for policing? When you you seem to be able to find all kinds of money for the illegal aliens. Well, I mean, yeah, obviously that, that wasn't part of the plan to have the police on there in the first place. So, I mean, yeah, he's just making things up. But that's a horrible answer to say as the... Uh, the general, as he likes to call himself, of New York City. And, by the way, a man who says, uh, you know, he's a tech geek because when he was a transit cop, he never was on active patrol. He was assigned to the records division that had all paperwork at that time. And as a computer programmer, he took all the paperwork and he started programming it onto floppy disks. You, you, you get this feel from him that he's someone who gets impressed with shiny toys. So I think that what's happening is these vendors are coming up to him and saying, oh, this looks fantastic. And he's being sold on it. Oh, this is great. And, and unfortunately, he has the ability to write out the checks for these silly ideas. And all of his technology that he's tried to implement thus far in the MTA has been a miserable failure and a waste of money. Can you please outline to our many listeners, some of whom will never take the subway again, (laughs) how bad the stats are? Okay, so yeah, so when he was giving his press conference yesterday, he really went out of his way to say how great crime is. It's down in every single stat, according to him, with the exception of the subway. So that's not a big deal. You know, he, he kind of had a really short little message about it. But the problem is the crimes that are up in the subway, you're talking about felony assaults, okay? 53% jump, okay, in felony assaults. That's a scary stat to be thinking about when you're trying to ride the subway. And burglary is up 140%. Now, that, that's really accounting for pickpocketing. So this is the— Oh, that's the migrants. That's are, the illegal aliens. These are tremendous jumps in crimes in the subway and the kind of crimes that would make you not want to take the subway. So uh, who do we hold accountable for that? We hold accountable um, Sid Rosenberg's very dear friend, a Lonsman, and also uh, Captain uh, Ed Mehmet, 
who's uh, celebrating his birthday. Happy birthday, Ed. Uh, because they're linesmen uh, with this guy, uh, Transit Chief Michael Kemper. He can do no wrong. This guy needs to put in his badge and his gun. He sucks. Do you know that a few weeks ago, I was in Bed-Stuy responding to a shooting that had taken place on a C-train near Nostrand Avenue. Uh, there had been a fight. Guy pulls out a gun, shoots, shoots two guys. I'm dealing with the crime scene there, and guess where the transit chief, Michael Kemper, was? At Cipriani's, sitting there having dinner with Sid Rosenberg. It's like, hey, no wonder why the crimes are skyrocketing out of control. And then who's this schmuck that's punched from the MTA who tries to explain why the riders' survey is so bad? Well, what's his name? Oh, Richard Davey. He's very useless, this guy. Richard Davey. Let's hear from this schmuck that's punched. It's disconcerting for our customers. The vast majority of those individuals who might be having an acute mental health crisis are probably not dangerous, um, but you don't know. And so I understand that that is you know, a feeling that our customers have, and we just got to get those folks uh, the services that they need. Um, I'm sympathetic to that. Okay, first of all, he couldn't have sanitized that anymore. Acute mental health crisis. That's not exactly who we're talking about in the subway that's causing all of these problems. This is just straight out crazy people. And there's dangerous people. There's people who don't belong there. There's people who've set up shop living there. What he's referring to is a very, very, very uh, small fraction. He clearly doesn't ride the subway. Uh, you know, they're over at J Street Borough Hall, these bloated bureaucrats of the MTA money-taking agency appointed by the governor who would get lost in the subway, Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb, uh, even if she had GPS, even if she had uh, an escort. It, it, it's so out of control. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Uh, we're approaching our 45th anniversary, February 13th, Nancy, as you know. Uh, we're in 13 countries, 130 cities. We have a variety of responsibilities in the five boroughs where we started. Uh, as of February 13th, uh, I'm just going to redirect all guardian angels into the subway. We're going to have to show uh, Michael Kemper, who prefers to be at Cipriani's or wherever Sid Rosenberg is having uh, dinner because they're linesmen, Michael M. Kemper, the transit chief, who should be fired. I'm going to show him how to run a patrol in the transit. You notice the cops never go up and down in the trains. They don't walk up and down in the moving trains. They basically they stand on a platform, they hold up the girder, and they're on their cell phones morning, noon, and night. What they're doing on their cell phones, I don't know if they're sexting and texting, but they're not actively patrolling the yeah, subway no, I mean, system. You usually see them grouped up together um, at the entrance or the exits. But, you know, as soon as you get into the system itself or you're on the trains themselves, you don't see them patrolling. You don't see them walking through. And it's even hard sometimes to distinguish who they are because they don't wear their hats. You would think they were just a regular person sometimes. It's, it's again, it's really tough as even as a deterrence well, because they don't they, look like a cop. How the hell would the transit chief Michael Kemper know that? He's always at Cipriani's with Sid Rosenberg instead of doing his job. Hey! If you love Cipriani so much, get a job as a waiter there. You know, maybe as the maitre d', uh, maybe they'll make you the manager of that Trendoy joint. And let me be the transit police commissioner. I'll do that for free. There's nobody who knows more about the subway system than me. It's the Rip and Read. Talking about featuring Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Talking about this is the Rip and Read featuring Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. 
Oh, the swagger man with no plan, Nancy. Yesterday, did you see him flexing in the early morning hours when the NYPD swooped in at Allerton Avenue, White Plains Road. That's where I originally trained at a McDonald's before I went to East Fordham Road in Webster. You know the rest of the history there. And they swooped in on a building that was housing illegal aliens from Guatemala, from Colombia, from Venezuela, with their mopeds and Vespas outside, no licenses, uh, no registrations, no nothing. Uh, But apparently uh, they were involved in a lot of violent criminal activity. In the last few months, not just in the Bronx, but the other boroughs. And actually, afterwards, after making a bus, and I'll discuss it, I'll be substituting for Greg Kelly today. Again, he's not feeling too well. Uh, So I'll be taking you to the 3 o'clock hour, and I'll be devoting a good portion of that to this specific bust, which all of a sudden indicated that these illegal aliens were part of a criminal enterprise that spanned all throughout Central America and South America. It is very detailed. It's almost as if the police department woke up and discovered this. And who was leading the effort, uh, Nancy, in this this bust of these dangerous hombres? Well, of, of course, Eric Adams. Who else would it be? And describe how he was dressed for the occasion. Because I noticed all the other cops looked pretty grungy, you know, like they were undercover, like they've been hanging out in the street, maybe drinking a... Uh, a uh, old English or a Colt forty five to be inconspicuous. Well, I think I think he's getting ready for the the New York City Fashion Week coming up because he had on his normal you know slacks and his uh, button down shirt, but then he has on the NYPD. This is the bulletproof vest, you know, very big. And for some reason, he threw on top of that a Fendi scarf. Now this is a seven hundred dollars scarf, so it's just swaying in the wind in these pictures of him on this. <laughs> What, what was it, a Fendi scarf underneath his bulletproof vest? No, over it, over it, over it. Yeah, like, wait, I, wait, wait a second. I thought he's the blue collar mayor. I thought he's the blue collar guy. I've never seen a cop wearing a scarf uh, over their bulletproof vest. Yeah, I mean, it it looks kind of uh, well. I don't know how to say it, but I mean, it looks a little goofy to be honest with you. But you know, I, I he, again, he has his need to constantly show off whatever sort of logo he's trying to wear, and I guess it, his. That, that Bulletproof Fest wasn't allowing him to appropriately show the type of swagger he wanted to show, so he had to throw that little thing on top. You think uh, the illegal aliens that were busted were impressed uh, as his fashion statement? You think the Venezuelans, the Colombians, and the Guatemalans said, oh, man, gee, that ain't a knockoff. That's the real deal. No, I, I have a feeling it was a knockoff. He probably got it in Chinatown. Anyway, once she finished the tough duty of assisting the NYPD in doing this raid— he showed up at uh, City Hall to do his one press conference uh, a week in which he takes off-topic questions because it's very difficult for him to chew gum and think at the same time and stay on topic. But he was all about praising himself, patting himself on the back so hard he has to go for a chiropractic adjustment. And, you know, you heard me say it over and over again. New Yorkers know it. Jobs are up. Crime is down. And tourists are back. 62 million to be exact. And we're really proud of our success. Crime is down. No. Jobs are up. No. And the tourists are flocking here. Unless you talk about the migrants. I don't know who he means. 
Well, yeah, because if you were to count all the illegal aliens, 176,000 who have come into the city and been put up in hotels. Well, that's true. They're staying in hotels, so that probably ups the tourism number right there. Well, let's hear what he has to say more about this unbelievable explosion of (laughs) tourists from around the world who can't wait to come into Times Square because they want to be pickpocketed and jostled by these illegals. And they want to walk into Times Square and be approached by the superheroes and those uh, costume characters who happen to be illegal aliens themselves from Passaic and jostled and shook down uh, for a few dollars. Last year, we had the fourth most tourist visits New York City in history. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> He loves stats, this guy. For what some the hell reason. does that mean, the fourth most? The, the way he talks about this, you would think that when you walk outside, you know, you see the streets overflowing with people. It is a ghost town here most days. So 100%, that perception is completely incorrect. You don't see people around here. Well, you know, he wears shades a lot of the time. I guess you're going to have to wear his shades to see what he or, or you're, you're speeding by in his taxpayer-funded vehicle. <laughs> And then, of course, he loves the illegal aliens that he invited in. He loves them. He embraces them. In fact, he was advocating just hugging an illegal alien today. <laughs> now, uh, so, <laughs> Marsha just said it. <laughs> so the. Come on. I strongly believe uh, that the overwhelming number of the 175,000 we're up to about. They're here trying to take the next step in the American dream. And I see them. I speak with them. I think they come from the rich tradition of those who come from immigrant backgrounds, who contribute to the society uh, and the tax base. Of, of if, there, if ever was a time we realized the importance of our immigrant population, I think it was during COVID. What? <laughs> what? COVID? What the hell did he mean by that? Yeah, I think he has his his dates wrong or something. He is the Biden of Brooklyn. Yeah. Like Biden all of a sudden was talking about Mitterrand instead of Macron. Uh, you know, the dead prime minister of uh of uh France. Yeah, I'm not sure how much these workers are going to be adding to the tax base because <clears throat> according to them, a lot of them are without having the papers. They're working underground. So oh, there's you could get, zero you being could added get, to the tax right, You could get your knockoff papers. I told you, you take the John Rockers Express, the number seven train, right off of 42nd Street. You go to uh, 84th and Junction Boulevard. You go downstairs. They sell them right in the open. Yeah, and, and they're not adding to the tax base. They're actually costing money. Ha, but he wanted you to know that even though he rolled out the red carpet for all these illegal aliens at our taxpayers' expense, he can be tough with them, too. I think that if you commit a crime, it's particularly a violent one, you know, we're not talking about someone that steals an apple. If you assault police officers on the street, uh, I believe if you're found guilty, you should be uh, uh, the federal government should do their job of deporting that person. You know, uh, if there should be more collaboration um, with ICE and others, that's something that the council has to deliberate on and make that determine determination. No, no. You're the mayor. Okay, you're the mayor. And, and I like his sliding scale of stealing an apple versus beating a cop. <laughs> Somewhere in there. Remember, we used to give an apple to the teacher and try to brown those, sir. Maybe we'll get the illegal aliens to give an apple to a cop to make up for them giving them beatdowns. How ridiculous. And he blames everything on the city council. Hey, why don't you man up? You're the mayor. 
have a meeting with Limigre Immigration and Naturalization Service, ICE, because you hate ICE. You always did. You followed in the footsteps of Cuomo and Swazi, who called them thugs. But anyway, uh, <laughs> he's speaking on behalf of what he says are most New Yorkers. This is a city of immigrants. And New Yorkers are clear. Oh, you coming from another location, it doesn't matter, New Yorkers. But you're not, you you're not going to come and break our laws. You're not going to come and attack innocent people. You know, that is what New Yorkers are saying. Uh, the New Yorkers want the migrants, asylum seekers to be able to work to take the next step on their journey, like many New Yorkers have done. And even those of us who are citizens, we come from an ancestry where our family members came from somewhere. That's the only common denominator we have. All of us came from somewhere. But um, I can't be clear. This is a national problem. Wait, 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 wait. Again, there are legal immigrants and there are illegal immigrants. So if you came here legally, you had to jump through the hoops and sometimes wait years and your family and friends and others may remain behind and they're waiting their time to properly come in. Uh, they didn't have an easy path. Yeah, and I beg to differ. I'm not one of those New Yorkers that's trying to help these people in their next step. So I don't know who he's talking to, but I think most people are more concerned about the New Yorkers that are already here and the services and benefits that are being cut already. Yeah, I don't think many people are really on board with this concept of, of helping them get to their next journey in life. Yeah, what what is that journey? Is he like a new ager? You know, what is this journey? Well, I don't know, but apparently everyone has very good intentions who's coming here because he, he just senses it in them. He just feels a good vibe from everyone. And why do they all want to come to New York City? Because he's made the accommodations... So great. Oh, yeah. As soon as you arrive in the Roosevelt Hotel now, you get your $1,000 food card. That's right. It's your even staff better. card. Oh, my God. You could be a homeless person in the street, emotionally disturbed. A veteran. You get Ugats. You get Bupkis. But if you're an illegal alien, you get everything. And then the question he dreads most about the political corruption that he and his cronies have been involved in, believe it or not, in the first election cycle where he ran against me and beat me in 2021. And even for the 2025 election that he might not even make if he gets locked up for political corruption, he wanted everyone to know he plays by the rules, even though his friends are getting arrested every other day and copying a plea for breaking campaign finance laws. We have a process, and many people don't understand, I think, when they think about hearing this concept of straw donors. I think just about, uh, I had around 16,000, 17,000 donors. And I think all of them received a call by everyone in this room. Everyone in the room yesterday at the press conference was a deputy mayor. Well, see, this is why you don't let him talk freely. This is why the Corp Council is there <laughs> to field these questions so he doesn't start talking about things like this. Everyone in that room is the deputy mayor. Yeah, this isn't going to end it well. That's a conflict of interest. If they're calling donors, basically, you know what that means. I'm the commissioner of buildings or I'm the commissioner uh, uh, of the Department of Education, dumbest organization ever. Uh, we would like you to contribute to uh, Eric Adams' re-election campaign fund of 2025. 
But, you know, you scratch our bellies, I scratch out. What does he mean that everyone in that room is talking to them? Well, this is just part of his normal constituent services where he likes to reach out to those really, uh, you know, those high dollar donors. And, and really, you know, get a feel for what they're looking for, what their needs are. I can't believe he actually said that. That's why they don't let him. They shouldn't let him talk on if, any questions if like you're that. The U.S. Attorney for the Southern District, Damian Williams, he said he just implicated all of his deputy mayors at this press conference as making calls on his behalf to fundraise, <laughs> which is a complete violation of what they're supposed to be doing as quote. Civil servant. They should they should have faked like a, a technology error and just cut his <laughs> mic off. <laughs> and you're right. No mayor before has ever had a corporation council interfere with his answers more. It's like a lawyer who tells you you're talking too much. Mm-hmm. You're talking too much. I got it from here. Then finally, everybody is aware of retail theft in the city because when you go into a retail establishment now, it's not just drugstores, it's uh, apparel stores. Everything is locked up behind a plastic, uh, basically a plastic bin that has to be opened up with a key because there is a, a Yale lock on it. He wants everyone in the city to know he's got it in check. The generalissimo, Eric Adams, got it in check. As all of us saw across the city, people threw up their hands. They started locking up the supplies. Uh, we saw some of our chains close down. Uh, people thought nothing could be done. Now, we've never reached the extreme that you saw across the country where folks were just walking in carrying out uh, 25-inch TVs. Uh, but it was a problem. And based on what the chief did and Chief LePetri, we saw that we had so many repeated offenders. Some of these guys were arrested 30 and 40 times. And many of the establishments just felt as though this is just the cost of doing business. And we said no to that. We're not going to surrender to that antisocial behavior. And we came up with a plan. We got more layers to it. There's some other stuff we're going to do uh, that I think is going to even drive it down each uh, even more. So, you know, Chief uh, uh, Deputy Mayor Banks uh, convened. And this has been something that we really focus on because we don't want it to get out of control. Well, first of all, it's already out of control. <laughs> a little late for that. And by the way, the one who isn't prosecuting is Alvin Bragg, his buddy. He never once said, and you know, Alvin Bragg has got to start prosecuting these shoplifters. Yeah, and it's also this way of minimizing it. These are recidivist criminals, and he's, and he's referring to it as antisocial behavior. No, you're a criminal. You broke the law. You don't understand. He wants to walk the line both ways, which is always Eric Adams' way. Check this out. It's the Riff and Read featuring Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Talking about this is the Riff and Read featuring Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. Over the course of human history. There's been Noah's Ark, savior of mankind. St. Francis of Assisi's, foregoing his wealth to be savior of all animals. And Curtis Sliwa, guardian angel and savior of New York City, protecting both man and beast. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents... 
Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. From bipeds to quadrupeds and everything in between. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. This is the show that brought Nancy Sliwa to everyone's attention. Every Sunday night from 10 to 11, soon uh, to actually be um, syndicated across the nation from coast to coast. Now, speaking of Noah's Ark, boy, they could use one, all the animals in Southern California, because the flooding is horrific. And what people don't realize, Nancy, is that Southern California is a desert. So that when it rains heavily, which is rare, there's no way for the ground to absorb all of that water like it could, let's say, in Northern California up near Redding. Mm -hmm. So what is the dilemma that these animals are now facing? Well, yeah, so you have the uh, the incredible rains. They're causing um, the, uh, I'm sorry, like the rains and also the snow because the cold weather. So you have a combination of um, the, the waterways freezing, also the trees that the birds are on. Uh, they're gather, you know, they're they're getting built with the snow. So the nest, there's a lot of um, you know, really exotic type birds like bald eagles who live in these uh, beautiful parts of California, and this is like nesting season. So you're seeing a lot of just th- this quick amount of the torrential downpours is causing a lot of problems for a lot of animals. In addition to people, the shorelines are falling off. I mean. This is an incredible time right now going on. They're about to be hit again with more extreme weather. And at the border, yeah, a lot of the migrants coming across are abandoning their pets uh, who have accompanied them, mostly dogs. Why is that? Well, what happens is you have the, the federal uh, processing centers, so they don't let um, you know animals into them. But then also you have, unfortunately, the CDC. When people are entering uh, from the southern border— they actually require the dogs to have a microchip and a rabies vaccination. Now, the odds of anyone having those things on them or proof of that is like nil. So what's happening is they're being forced to leave the, their pets at the border. So these are obviously dogs, cats, you know, even more like exotic, you know, weird things you wouldn't think of like guinea pigs. They're all being left at this border town. So all, all along the border, the people are leaving and there's no one to really grab them. So you have, like, the National Guard. They're trying to help them. They're trying to bring them to local shelters. But these animals are really more or less domestic animals that have now been abandoned outside. They're scared. They're they're having trouble, you know, finding food. I mean, they're having trouble placing well, these animals. Well, how can people get in touch with you about helping those animals? Um, GuardianAngels.org um, and Nancy at GuardianAngels.org. Talk Radio 77 WABC.